Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. I'm Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about a four-day work week and working from home. The COVID-19 pandemic completely changed the world of work. Working from home became the norm for many, but is it here to stay? And has the time come for an even bigger change? After 100 years of Monday to Friday, is it time for a four-day working week? On today's podcast, we'll be looking at the fashion company Desigual. Staff at their Barcelona headquarters recently voted to switch to a four-day week. We'll hear from Xavier Guell from commercial real estate company CBRE to see whether businesses are abandoning the office, with people opting to work from home for the long term. And to discuss and explain the various facets of the whole debate around these two issues, I'm joined by Catalan News Deputy Editor Guifrey Jordan. Good to see you again, Guifrey. Yeah, nice to be here. And for the first time on Filling the Sink, I'm very happy to say we've got Ina Marti, economy journalist with ACN, the Catalan News Agency. You're very welcome to Filling the Sink, Ina. Thanks for having me here. So as I said, we're looking at two different but related topics today, the four-day week and working from home. Uh, Let's start first with working from home. And before we get into the nitty gritty of the issue, I just wanted to know what your own thoughts were on it in general. We've all been doing it. So Gifre, yeah or nay, what do you think? Yeah, at the beginning, I think we all thought it was a good idea. Like, oh, I'll be here (laughs) two weeks. Uh, I'll I'll be at home for two weeks. Ah, This is going to pass in a couple of weeks that's fine a bit of a novelty yeah a bit of novelty so that that looked okay but as time went by well things began to to be a bit rougher let's say (laughs) uh i remember though once uh, after one two weeks working from home in mid-march 2020 like okay I cannot work like this anymore i need a screen i need a keyboard and i need a mouse you know so i just mm, went to the office like Okay, I have to. And I picked all what I need. And and I think that's a little bit the key thing about working from home, having the The appropriate stuff that you need to work. Yeah. And what about you, Aina? In the course of your work, you speak to uh, workers and, and things. Have you come across any stories that you want to share with us kind of about working from home? Yeah, I, I share Gifre's impression that at the beginning, everyone felt like it was a relief to work from home. But some of the workers we talked to had a lot of problems and also the companies didn't really know how to set the equipment or the digital environment needed to work from home. Uh, I remember one specific case of this worker who was very happy when uh, the remote work law was passed and she talked to her employer asking for a chair, a table and a screen so she could work better. And the answer was no, because they couldn't afford it. And in a few months, uh, she had a back injury that was a bit serious, and she had to wear a collar for a month or so. And in this case, she asked again the company if they could uh, provide a chair and a screen and etc. And they also said no. So basically, she ended up doing what Gifrey did, but she had to pay for it and set up an office. And I feel that this happened to a lot of people in Catalonia. Yeah. And maybe a bit later, we'll talk about the law, both the law during the pandemic and also maybe what might come further down the line as well. I mean, what are your thoughts after all the changes that we've seen during the pandemic with people working from home? I get the impression things just aren't going to, they're not going to go back to the way they were before, really, are they? No, I don't really think so. 
but it's true that the work culture in Spain is still sticking to the old habits. Mm -hmm. So I feel that there are two kinds of companies. Uh, one of them is embracing the new working habits and working from home, but there's also other companies that have difficulties because they cannot really afford it or they don't really trust uh, their employees. So I don't think it's going to be as easy as it may seem at the beginning. Yeah, I think this week I talked to, to the advisory body of the Catalan government in terms of work, an entity called the CTESC. Yeah, one thing is clear, like things won't go back to the old normal. And the other thing is like companies are, you know, reaching several different kinds of agreements like, okay, you all have to go back to the office, you all stay home, or a mixed solution like three days at home during the office or the other way around. You know, it's a lot of varied options, but it's not clear yet exactly what's going to be the main outcome or the main trend. Yeah. And in terms of figures, uh, well, at the moment, the figures in Catalonia are around 10% of people working from home, 9% in Spain, something like that. And what's most widely recognized as, as the general figure of, of people working from home in the peak of the crisis of the lockdown was about 30% in the whole of Spain. I guess there was also people not working at all as well. We have to take yeah. that into account. Yeah. A yeah. lot of people actually lost their job mm. during uh, the pandemics and they couldn't even ask for unemployment because uh, unemployment offices were absolutely collapsed. Yeah. So there was a lot of inactivity, like labor inactivity during this period. Hmm. And there's another figure of the Catalan Statistics Institute saying that 70% of companies applied somehow remote work so to some of their employees or something like that. So that's quite a lot. And I was just checking before the pandemic, while in countries such as Finland and the Netherlands, I think are the two highest in Europe, 14% of people were already working from home. So there was that kind of culture already. Uh, the figure for Spain is only 5%, which is lower than the European average. So it has taken some getting used to here. To find out a little bit more, we spoke to Xavier Guell. He works for CBRE, a US company, the largest commercial real estate services company in the world. And they did a survey asking how working from home is affecting businesses. So here's what Xavier Guell, the Barcelona managing director, discovered. The first thing that we have to understand is that working from home by itself doesn't mean a reduction in office space. Uh, because if employees can choose the two or three days that they come to the office, we know from the statistics that we have that they come massively on Tuesday, Wednesday, or even Thursday. So if everybody comes to the office on Wednesday or Thursday, you need the same space as always. It's important to bear in mind that it depends on the sector. For, for instance, if we talk about the financial sector or the legal sector, the tendency of that sector is to work from office much more than work from home. Basically, they expect that the people come to the office probably four days per week. But if we consider other sectors, like probably the, the technological sectors, the techie sectors, they expect the people to come like two days per week. When we analyze the financial, the banking or the legal sector during the next at least two years, the 50% sorry of this sector, they consider that they will need the same 
area, the sales office area that they have right now. 20% consider that they will reduce their office areas requirements. And there is like a 25% that they still don't know. But in a, if we analyze the techie sector, 30, 35% of the techie sector considers that, that definitely they will reduce office areas requirements between 10 and 25% of the next two years. We know that especially after the COVID, the companies will require more open spaces, spaces, areas to socialize, to co-create, uh, to stay with the colleagues. And it means that more area will be required. So the bottom line is that the reduction of the office areas for the companies as an average will be only 7%. The companies right now, they want to keep reasonable distances among the employees. It's true that maybe three years ago or four years ago, it was a trend to concentrate a lot of people in a small area. And that's something that definitely is changing. Actually, it changed a lot. That's Javier Guell from CBRE. Our thanks to him. So as we heard, it's not just as simple as more working from home means the end of the office as we know it. Uh, one of the big things, Ina, has been the rules and regulations. A lot of confusion at the start of the pandemic, understandably, because the situation kind of came out of nowhere. Maybe just talk us through what the law says now and actually going on into the future as well. I would say that the confusion is still happening right now <laughs> because the, the law establishes two types of remote work. One, that's... Uh, a regular one and then another one that happens during a health emergency so the only obligation for companies during a health emergency is to provide the equipment that the worker needs and that's pretty much it on the other hand the post covid remote work regulation it requires a written agreement between the company and the worker that has to be negotiated and formalized before the remote work starts. It's much more formal and it doesn't apply to every kind of remote work. It has to be at least 30% of working hours in a three month period. This written working agreement has different things, but the main difference is that it includes at least of costs and how the company will compensate them and also the duration, where the worker will be, and security instructions, some protection data information, etc. So it's much more detailed mm -hmm. than the other one. And it's worth saying that it's a reversible agreement. So if the worker or the companies are not happy, they can just change it and go back to on-site working. And it has to be an agreement, right? Yes. So it cannot be an imposition, I understand. No, it cannot be an imposition. And uh, that's a big difference between COVID uh, remote work and post-COVID remote work, because we're all forced to work from home. Absolutely. And here's the question, Aina, when does the post-COVID regulations begin or has it already begun or how does that work? So the thing is, we are still living a pandemic right now. Most companies use the COVID-19 regulation. The ones that do not use it is because they already had remote work agreements and they had to update them when the law was published a year ago. So I would say that it's, it's possible to use the new regulation, but it's not 
often. Okay, so we so it means that in the future we might see all sorts of companies having to introduce kind of these stricter rules and these agreements that, that you've spoken about. You know, we, we haven't seen the effects of them yet. In, in some cases, yes, because uh, among the few examples in remote work negotiation that we've seen in Spain is uh, the collective agreement of the banking sector in which uh, companies agreed to offer a computer, mobile phone, ergonomic chair and a maximum of 55 euros per month in expenses. Right. So, okay. that's, that. so that's an example. <laughs> Also, something that might happen in the future, we'll see, we'll talk about it now, is a four-day work week. Well, that'd be, sounds that, good. that sounds very good, doesn't it? <laughs> well, but I want to see the fine print. The fine print. You know, that's, that's... Okay, Gifrey, this week you've been speaking to a lot of people involved with the Desigual, which, uh, well, we hear it now. They're, it's a Barcelona-based fashion company that has implemented a four-day work week. A myriad of bright and brush colors, no straight lines, unpredictable shapes, and unexpected fashion designs. This is Desigual, a Catalan clothes brand born in 1984, now with stores in over 100 countries that leaves no one indifferent, and the work organization is no exception. In September, they put forward a proposal to turn Friday into a day off, in exchange for a 6.5% drop in salaries working four days a week and one of these days the employee can work from home. Overall, the number of weekly hours would be reduced from 39.5 to 34.5. Si la proposta és fem un 6.5% o assumim la companyia i un 6.5% o assumeix l'empleat. The Seawall's HR head, Coral Alcaraz, told ACN in October that this means 13% less work for 6.5% less pay with the other 6.5% being covered by the Seawall. Does it sound like a plan? Well, it seems that for the firm's workers, it does. Exactly one month ago, an internal vote was held. 98% of those eligible to vote cast their ballot. Not your typical vote, with music booming, just like in a Desiwall store or even a club. And distracted by the noise or not, 86% of the employees accepted the deal, an overwhelming majority. For me, at least, and I think for many people the company's designer, Rosé Laureiro, said on the day of the vote that the four-day week is the future and that this initiative couldn't have come from any other firm, bigging up the Zewal's innovative side. And Aisha, a colleague of hers at the digital department, was equally enthusiastic, praising the way the decision was made, with staff having the final say. But it's true that the two employees were put forward for interview by the company, and not everyone is as happy with the new arrangement. On top of the obvious criticism that a change in what is considered full-time hours shouldn't mean a lower salary, trade unions also said that workers had noted a significant increase in their workload during the weeks the scheme was tested. They also complained that this is a unilateral proposal by Desigual, not negotiated with workers, the thing is that the company hasn't got a workers' council due to a lack of volunteers. This is Javier Pacheco, leader of the Comisiones Obreras Union, who says a vote organized solely by company management isn't a democratic way of doing things. In order to see how things are going one month after this change, I contacted Javi González from the UGT Union. While he admitted that no workers have taken the case to court, he did claim that a number of employees have quit. For him, the salaries in the sector are already precarious enough, even before any reduction. 
the UGT Union is trying to organize a workers' council, which could revert the agreement. And as for this, well, they politely declined to discuss with me how the first month with the new timetable has gone, arguing it is too early for an evaluation. Time will tell whether the brand will again be a trendsetter, now in terms of the working week, or if this model will go out of fashion soon. Thanks to everyone who spoke to us for that report. And I suppose I should say, that's just the people that work in the headquarters. It doesn't include all the shop staff, obviously, as well. So it's just a portion of the workforce. But happening in Barcelona, and actually we're about 100 years on, Aina, from a big event that happened in Barcelona as well that kind of changed the world of work. Isn't that right? Yes, the Canadenca strike. It was an historic strike action in Barcelona that happened in 1919 and evolved during 44 days into a general strike that paralyzed much of the industry of uh, Catalonia and the result was the the 40-hour week. The 40-hour week, so... And we're eight. so proud about it. Yeah, we're so yeah, proud exactly. about it. Like, every time I hear this story, it's like, wow. Yeah, the eight-hour working day, it, that's what they were striking for, and that's what they got. Uh, nowadays, Gifre, in Catalonia, what about the Catalan government? Have they any stance on the four-day week? Or To be honest, this situation is not as um, hot as 100 <laughs> years ago, let's say. So uh, this week, I asked the Catalan government about it. And sources of the work ministry in Catalonia said that, well, any debate on this issue needs to be tackled uh, through consensus and there has to be like a comprehensive debate. And what is very important, according to them, is like any potential agreement has um, legal safety. Some companies might be tempted to say, yeah, okay, four day week, but we also reduce not only the hours, but the salary. And that is not exactly uh, the reducing idea, the full-time week. You know? That's not exactly the, the idea. And they also emphasize that it is not up to them to decide because the work legislation depends on Spain, on mm-hmm. the Spanish authorities. And there's been some movement there, hasn't there, just this year as well? Yeah, there, there's a small party in, in Spain called Mas País, a uh, left-wing anti-austerity party, uh, which has uh, put forward a proposal to switch from five to four uh, days per week, and they've managed to convince the Spanish government to set up from next year a pilot test mm-hmm. of 10 million euro for next year, 2022, to test it, basically, you mm-hmm. know, so they will look for companies who want to try to reduce the amount of hours their employees would work, and in exchange, they would get around 2,000 to 3,000 euro per year and per employee. And the red line of it is companies have to keep the same salary for workers. Right, okay, so no salary reduction. And the idea is there's more time for personal life. And, in fact, the argument is that it would be more productive because there's a lot of wasted time as well at work. That's what they say. And this 2,000 to 3,000 euro per, per employee and year would be to help companies increase their efficiency and increase their uh, productivity. Mm-hmm. So to push their innovation. That's mm-hmm. a little bit their plan. And th- this party says that not only is this measure good for our health and for our work-life uh, balance, but also for the environment, actually. That's yeah. what they say. Yeah. You know, it's less commutes, so that uh, will turn to less pollution. I suppose that's kind of tied in with the working from home. That's something that 
ties them together, doesn't it? That that Absolutely. if we have less commuting, then that's going to have an effect, a beneficial effect in terms of carbon footprint. And in fact, the European Greens policy now in the EU is, is for the European Union to do a pilot program similar to the one that's going to happen in Spain off the back of this proposal from Mass Pays. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of international interest around it too because it hasn't been tried in that many places. In terms of the voices kind of speaking out against it, uh, we've had some economists warn that the, the Spanish economy isn't suitable for it. And a lot of people saying that it's not good timing as well. I read a Catalan economist quoted in Time magazine who said that it's a very difficult time with their economy gravely affected. And basically, maybe this isn't the right moment. But on the other hand, I suppose you could argue that maybe it's the perfect moment because we're seeing so many changes in the workplace anyway and it could create jobs because it's true that if uh, some of the workers uh, work shorter hours others uh, can come in and it would reduce unemployment so it's true that it's a big change and some companies cannot really do it right now depends on the sector too of course yeah and it's true that spain has a very very low uh, productivity rate and this is something that business representatives always say they want to change, but then they normally oppose to this kind of uh, innovative work uh, measures. So it's definitely something we should think about. Mm -hmm. And just let me say, Lorcan, very briefly, that this advisory body of the Catalan government, this CTESC, says that it's also important not only to think about a law, but to reach agreements, because if you pass a law, okay, you've passed a law, but how to implement it, you know? And he mentioned the example of France and the 35-hour week. There was a law, it was passed in Parliament, but then it was a nightmare to implement it. And, well, it was very difficult to, mm -hmm. to work it out, and it took them a long time. And it is a new thing. It hasn't been tried in many places. Um, Iceland is one country, incredibly successful by all accounts, that a majority of businesses noticed productivity either unchanged or increased. Uh, Scotland are going to try something similar. Unilever, the company, has done something in New Zealand. And Microsoft in Japan, obviously Japan, famous for its overwork culture. No? Absolutely. But uh, when they switched to a four-day week at Microsoft, their productivity went up by an incredible 40%. Um, so, and... One other interesting thing about it as well is we've mentioned the potential environmental benefits, but there's also been so many changes in the world of work since 100 years ago when we saw this strike, not least that women are now present in the workplace in the way that they were before. And that means that the, the systems that were in place in terms of a five-day working week for the man and a woman was generally looking after children, doing shopping and looking after the household... That doesn't work anymore. So the argument is that women and men need the extra time to, to do both things. Yeah, and especially for women, because uh, women do most of domestic work. So it's kind of like a double shift for them. So definitely the four day week uh, model will benefit women around the world. And also I would like to, to say that this uh, system 
would be interesting for Spain because there's a lot of non-paid extra hours. So work that you do, but you're not getting paid. So it's interesting to work less because uh, statistics show that everyone is working more than what the contracts say. So there's definitely a change needed. Time now for our Catalan phrase. Aina, it's your first week, so have you got one for us this week? Uh, yes, it's ampentas uh, y rodolons. Ampentas y rodolons? I have no idea what that means. So it literally means uh, push and roll, push and but um, the meaning is achieving something after trying and trying and trying, so maybe the four-day week after trying and trying and trying. Uh, we'll look back and say we got there with, with after and that brings us to the end of today's podcast thanks very much for joining us for the first time Aina it was great to have you on filling the sink thank you for having me and Gifre good to see you as always yeah cheers Lorcan thanks very much to you for listening filling the sink is now on Facebook and Twitter so please do give us a follow if you're on there and feel free to drop us a line if you have any comments questions or suggestions we're back again next week as always with another episode of filling the sink until then for me Lorcan Doherty and all of us here at Catalan News bye for now adeus